If there's no God, why not rape and murder? Or fill in the blank with bad behavior X. When a religious person is asking this question, they tend to be making one of two claims, and these claims are not mutually exclusive. Either certain values never would have arisen in a naturalistic universe, so their existence amounts to an argument in favor of theism, or that belief in God or religious ideas is holding everything together, and the death of God would lead us to shed most, if not all, of our morals, including basic prohibitions against rape and murder. Without God, everything is permitted. William Lane Craig's moral argument puts him in the first camp. He's argued that there can be no objective right and wrong without God. Only God could explain objective moral values. They exist, therefore God exists. If God does not exist, then objective moral values and duties do not exist. Objective moral values and duties do exist, therefore God exists. God's existence doesn't follow from the existence of objective moral values. Even if it were a sure thing that morality was objective in some important sense, we couldn't deduce God's existence from that fact. God's existence is not the only explanation on offer for objective morality. And it hasn't exactly been established beyond reasonable doubt that objective moral values exist. Many prominent atheists, however, believe that morality is objective in some important sense, like Peter Singer, Sam Harris, and Rebecca Goldstein. But there's another option as well. We could also be convinced of morality's objectivity without it really being true. It's possible that objective moral values exist and no God exists, but it's also possible that no objective morals exist and we just believe that they exist. Evolutionary biology and psychology obviously can't explain why objective morals would exist, but they can explain why we might feel that they exist. And that we feel like objective moral values exist is actually central to Craig's case for them. So did you really, a... I mean, now think of what you're saying. Think of the implications of this. Do you think that it is morally indifferent to take up a little child in your arms and to love that child or to break that little child's limbs, burn him with cigarette butts and abuse that little baby? Do you really think those are morally indifferent acts, that that's purely subjective? I, I want to try to see, understand this connection with having these virtues and having faith in God, because I cannot really connect these two concepts here. Well, the, the connection is that only by having God as the foundation for these can these be objective values rather than mere subjective feelings. If God does not exist, objective moral values and duties do not exist. But I think objective moral values and duties do exist from which it follows logically and inescapably, therefore God exists. That's my argument. Even if we accept everything Craig just said in support of the second premise, objective moral values exist, we wouldn't have to accept it. We could accept a modified version of the second premise that doesn't help his case. We could change objective moral values exist to we are convinced that objective morals exist. The second premise is largely supported by our emotional response to various terrible ideas, as you heard. That we feel it would just be wrong is the justification. But there are explanations other than God did it that could account for this. There are naturalistic accounts of our moral intuitions, and there are naturalistic accounts of our feeling that it would always be wrong to torture a baby for fun, for example. Evolutionary biology and psychology can provide simple explanations of our moral feelings that don't require the existence of any gods. This is important because it increases the amount of work for Craig to justify premise 2, that objective moral values exist. If there are other plausible accounts of our moral convictions, 
he can't simply appeal to our feelings about morality to support his second premise. It should also be mentioned that those three names I mentioned earlier, Rebecca Goldstein, Peter Singer, and Sam Harris, as well as many others, accept evolutionary accounts of our moral intuitions without devaluing them and while still maintaining a belief in objective morals. And there are a wealth of such evolutionary accounts. Franz Duvall, Richard Dawkins, Steven Pinker, Michael Shermer, Robert Wright, and Darwin himself have supplied many evidence-based explanations of the evolution of our moral faculties. If not comprehensive accounts of our moral intuitions, many pieces to the puzzle. They've detailed how things like altruism, empathy, and other basic pro-sociality would evolve, allowing a social species to flourish as we have. So to reiterate, it's possible that objective moral values exist, and no god exists. So Craig's moral argument doesn't work. Another problem with his argument is that it's possible that no objective morals exist, but we would still believe that they exist, as an adaptation or a byproduct of the evolution of our moral faculties. And that brings us to the second camp of religious people who are asking us why we're not rapists and murderers, those who think belief in God is a very good thing. Religion is holding everything together, or it's at least making us better people. The decline of religion would only make us worse, and could even weaken our most basic prohibitions. Religion might be literally false, but if we pretend it's true, the benefits exceed the costs. Jordan Peterson falls into this camp. He believes that the death of God alone should make us pessimistic about society's future. He seems to agree with Craig that God is the only thing that could create objective moral values. The problem is that God doesn't exist, so we have to find a new way to maintain belief in quote-unquote God. And to mention another prominent religious person, Ben Shapiro has a foot in both camps, as many religious folks do. Objective moral values do exist, God is the explanation for them, and society would fall apart without God. He seems to agree that God is the only way to get objective morals, but he doesn't make Craig's strange argument that because we feel like they exist, they must exist, and that this in turn means God exists. He at least seems to recognize that this is not a good argument, so he opts to make a Peterson-style case about the pragmatic function for belief in God. Though, unlike Peterson, he does believe in a literal God. And that seems to be the position of most religious people. That God is real, and we need him. A religious fictionalist is someone who thinks religion is literally false, but metaphorically true. It helps with survival and it makes us better. This idea has been prominent in some circles for a long time, though for many, Jordan Peterson was the first or most striking example of a fictionalist. I would say that that the there are there's great purpose in looking at these ancient stories in the same way, Sam, as there's great purpose and utility in reading fiction. So and I and I don't mean that in a derogatory manner. Atheists or agnostics who object to anti-theism tend to have not witnessed or experienced very much religious fundamentalism firsthand. I almost wish everyone had once been a religious fundamentalist so they would have a better understanding of the motivational power of religion and the harmful effect it has on life. There is hope, you don't need to have the experiences to get the point. For example, many anti-theists seem to understand the motivational power of religion and the harmful consequences of taking it seriously, though they've never been fundamentalists themselves. I think it's pretty obvious that in the present day, religion is the enemy of living a good life, moral progress, and scientific progress. Is it good for the world to appeal to our credulity and not to our skepticism? Is it good for the world to worship a deity that takes sides in wars and human affairs? To appeal to our fear and to our guilt, is it good for the world? To our terror, our terror of death, 
is it good to appeal? To preach guilt and shame about the sexual act and the sexual relationship, is this good? To terrify children with the image of hell and eternal punishment, not just of themselves, but of their parents and those they love. Perhaps worst of all, to consider women an inferior creation. Is that good for the world? And can you name me a religion that has not done that? To insist that we are created and not evolved in the face of all the evidence. To say that certain books of legend and myth, man-made and primitive, are revealed. Religion forces nice people to do unkind things and also makes intelligent people say stupid things. Handed a small baby for the first time, is it your first reaction to think, beautiful, almost perfect. Now please hand me the sharp stone for its genitalia that I may do the work of the Lord. No. <laughs> it is uh, as the great, as the great As do many conversations about atheism, this conversation quite often spirals into a debate about 20th century political regimes and whether or not atheism is indicted in 20th century atrocities. I have two early episodes on that subject, and there have been many decisive blows to the argument that atheism is to blame. But for me, the short answer usually involves pointing to the recent population explosion and the technological leap forward. It's quite a claim that advances in weaponry, for example, had nothing to do with the massive body count and destruction witnessed. Bombs, guns, tanks, poison gas, technological advancements, not just in weaponry but in communication and transportation of people and materials, enabled the scale of the atrocities. We don't know what previous religious groups would have done with modern weaponry or modern technology on a population orders of magnitude larger than the ones they lived in. We can see what they did with the more primitive technology of their day on the much smaller population, and there is truly no indication that they wouldn't have brought on the apocalypse if they had access to modern weapons and modern technology generally. The Crusaders and other religious authorities from centuries past couldn't have killed tens of millions of people if they made it their life's mission. They rode around on horses and pretty much only had sharp pieces of metal. Weapons and other technology aside, the population was far smaller and less dense in centuries past. There was a time in human history when the population dipped below 100,000 people on Earth. Some say as low as 10,000. Humanity has been on Earth for nearly 300,000 years, and a thousand years ago, the population is estimated to have been around 300 million. In the year 1500, it was around 500 million. Today, it's nearly 8 billion. You need to account for the massive population difference between the 20th century and earlier centuries, and you need to acknowledge that swords and tanks are not equally destructive. To claim that we need to stay safely in the arms of religion because of 20th century totalitarian regimes is to ignore that religion is a totalitarian system itself that was simply never given the opportunity to commit atrocities on the scale the 20th century witnessed. Religion was already well past the height of its power and influence by the time the relevant progress in technology was made. And I'm tired of putting this delicately. You are a moron if you think that medieval religious theocracies, armed with modern weapons, wouldn't have committed similar, if not more terrible, atrocities. Can we be good without God? The answer is obviously yes. This is not a novel view or just a recent manifestation of our pluralistic, secular culture, and my first citation for that is Jesus. In the story of the Good Samaritan, pious religious figures do not behave as morally as the Samaritan. The Good Samaritan wasn't an atheist, but he was the wrong religion. He didn't have the right God. 
and he obviously couldn't have been a Christian. Working from modern Christian assumptions, however, it's fair to take Jesus' teachings to mean that you don't have to be a Christian or a Jew to be better than Christians or Jews. And besides, it's obvious that we can be good without God. It's not speculative. It happens all the time. At this point, believers tend to argue that they never meant to imply that atheists can't be moral, which, yes they did, if they're asking us why we wouldn't rape and murder. Rather, it's that atheists have no justification or reason to be good, or they have no grounds for defining good to begin with. I don't accept this. I think religious moral philosophy is seriously flawed, and I think secular moral philosophy is superior in nearly every possible way. But even if we accepted that we have no reason to be good, we still have the moral high ground in a certain sense. This question that comes up that says, without God, if you don't believe in God, why would you not rape and kill anyone you want to? If there isn't a God, what's stopping you from raping and killing everyone you want to? And my answer is, I have raped and killed everyone I want to. I've done that. Without God, I have raped and killed everyone I want to, and the list of people I want to rape and kill is zero. And why the fuck isn't your list zero? Why is there anyone on that list? The people I want to rape? No one's on it. More important than that, no one's ever been on it. No one's ever been on the rape list. Now, I feel lust all the time for men and women everywhere, every single person that walks into the Starbucks. But of those people I felt lust for, people I wanted to rape, zero, none, none. I feel anger. You know what I mean? I just say, boy, I wish someone weren't around or, but wanting to kill them, wanting to murder them. Even when I get really, really angry. The short answer to why not rape and murder is that I don't want to. And if someone did want to rape and murder, why do you think belief in God would stop them? If it did, you wouldn't expect atheists to be so underrepresented in prisons. You wouldn't expect the overwhelming majority of violent offenders to be religious believers, many of them devout. One of my favorite responses to the religious assertion that we have no reason to be good without God comes from an unlikely source, Hasidic Judaism. This particular story is from Volume 2 of Tales of the Hasidim, a collection of stories that were passed down orally and through writing that were based on the philosophy of a Jewish mystic who is considered to be the founder of Hasidic Judaism. Quote, The master teaches the student that God created everything in the world to be appreciated, since everything is here to teach us a lesson. One clever student asks, What lesson can we learn from atheists? Why did God create them? The master responds, God created atheists to teach us the lesson of true compassion. When an atheist performs an act of charity, visits someone who is sick, helps someone in need, and cares for the world, he is not doing so because of some religious teaching. He does not believe that God commanded him to perform this act. In fact, he does not believe in God at all, so his acts are based on an inner sense of morality. And look at the kindness he can bestow upon others simply because he feels it to be right. This means that when someone reaches out to you for help, you should never say, I pray that God will help you. Instead, for the moment, you should become an atheist. Imagine that there is no God who can help, and say, I will help you. Not only does this story point out that we can, in fact, be good without God, it points out that this is morally superior to doing good because you were commanded to do so. And it even goes on to explain one reason we should be anti-theists, the idea that prayer can help. The teacher acknowledges that this breeds complacency. The idea that prayer is real only siphons off those who would otherwise become atheists for the moment and say, I will help you. Religion teaches that offering a prayer is doing something, 
Which, by the way, it would be if what they were teaching was literally true. Whether or not it's true bears on the question of whether or not we should be against religion. I don't know who needs to hear that, but it apparently needs to be spelled out. That it's not true is a reason to be an anti-theist. It's obvious that we can be good without God, but there are two important points that tend to get lost in this discussion. For one, there is no atheist position on morality. There's a huge diversity. And secondly, it's not a foregone conclusion that religion and morality are linked. It's been pointed out by Christopher Hitchens and Slavoj Žižek and others that the oft-quoted claim, without God everything is permitted, has it exactly backwards. With God everything is permitted. Divine permission given to people who think they have God on their side, enables actions that a normal, morally normal unbeliever would not contemplate the mutilation of genitalia of children. Who would do that if it wasn't decided that God wanted it? Morally normal and intelligent people find themselves saying fatuously wicked things when this subject comes up. Slavery is mandated by the Bible. People keep, you keep hearing how many abolitionists were Christians. Well, it was about time that they took a stand against it, having mandated it for so long. Given only faith, mountains can be moved, and millions of people who would never normally acquiesce in evil are brought to it straight away and with ease and with self-righteousness. I refuse to accept that religion has the moral high ground in any sense. I don't see why religious philosophy is better than the rich history of non-religious moral philosophy that goes back to ancient Greece, centuries before Christianity even existed. I don't see why appealing to a divine authority figure makes morality objective or even superior. I've never heard a convincing rebuttal to Euthyphro's dilemma, or one that survived further analysis. I don't see religion or the parties of God having a particularly good effect on the world right now. I think divine command theory is dangerously flawed. I don't think morality comes from religion or that religion makes people behave more morally. I don't accept that religion as a default has the advantage in a conversation about morality. To quote Steven Weinberg, With or without religion you would have good people doing good things and evil people doing evil things. But for good people to do evil things, that takes religion. One of the great platitudes which are popular today when we are confronted with acts of violence is if there is no God, then everything is permitted. The main point is that this statement is simply wrong. Even a brief look at our predicament today clearly tells us this. It is precisely if there is God that everything is permitted to those who not only believe in God, but who perceive themselves as instruments, direct instruments of the divine will. If you posit or perceive or legitimize yourself as a direct instrument of the divine will, then of course all narrow, petty, moral considerations disappear. If there is God, everything is permitted.
That's all I have for you today. I have three new patrons to thank, Don Natal, Dan Palm, and Chris Vaughn. Thank you, Don, Dan, and Chris, and thank you to all my patrons and my patron Hall of Famers, Jesta, Phil Stilwell, Richard Crossan, Nathan Grounds, and Pre-Nifty. And you can support this show on a per-episode basis at patreon.com counter where you can earn early access to every episode and access to bonus episodes. If you don't have the money to support on Patreon, but you'd still like to murder and rape unlimited numbers of people with no consequences, you can find me on Facebook, leave a five-star review, or tell your friends about the podcast. Our theme music was written and performed by the band Whalers. The song is called Magic Tricks and was used with permission. Thank you for joining me today. I've been Emerson Green, and I'll see you next time.